Hello, hello. Welcome to The Bentley Show. I am your host, Scott Bentley. I'm so happy to be here. I am, I am ecstatic to be here, be here in, in my own living room. I'm ecstatic to be in your ears. I'm so happy, man. I, this, is, this is something I, I've been wanting to do for, for quite literally years, years and years, man. I, you know, something like this, just have a platform to be able to just talk some smack and, and, and talk about sports, man. It's been a dream of mine my whole life. Um, and, and the last couple of months have been, you know, me trying to put the, the pieces in place to get this, this show on the road here. Um, and you know, the craziest part about all this is, is the last couple of weeks between, between Twitter and between the Instagram account I do work for, um, 2021 world series champs, it's a tiger's page between the two of that, man, that like people have been reaching out to me and telling me that I should do something like this. And that's, that's wild. Like if you would have told me a year ago that anyone would care about my opinion on anything, I, I would have thought you were crazy. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's a wild moment and it's awesome. And I, like I said, I am so happy to finally be doing this and finally be here. Um, all the graphics are, are uh, a beautiful human being named Nate Temple has done all my graphics. Uh, he is the guy that runs the 2021 World Series Champs page, that Instagram page that I uh, do videos for and go on like live streams and stuff for. Um, he also, unfortunately, is a Packers fan, which I know is a huge knock against him. But he is so good at, at graphic design. He he runs a Instagram page called I think it's called the Packers page, um, and it has like six figure followers, like hundreds of thousands of followers, and like actual like player like former Packers players and like personnel on the Packers follow the page. Like he he's like legit man. Like he he he's and he's one of the nicest dudes I've ever met. Like I said, if it wasn't for the Packers fandom, he'd pretty much be a perfect human. But him and I have gotten really close since I started doing the the stuff for the his Instagram Tigers page. And uh, I couldn't be more thankful that he he whipped together all these graphics and stuff. The the logo for the show, the header, everything. You know, if, if you see a, a, a graphic with a quote from the show and, you know, labeling the quoting, quoting me on the Bentley show. Uh, that, you know, he, he likely made the graphic. It's, it's all him. So shout out to Nate Temple, amazing person. And, uh, I, I am very, I thank thank the Lord every day that, that we cross paths so that I can have just this insanely talented human being at, at my disposal is pretty unreal. Um, thank you for listening. Like I said, this is something I have, like I said, man, it's really, I wouldn't call it a full circle circle moment. Cause this is episode one, but like just having people want to hear what you have to say about a certain topic. And then the topic that I'm most passionate about more than anything is Detroit sports. So it's truly a, 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 a blessing, I guess I'll call it and not to be cliche, but that's, that's what it is, man. I'm, I'm so happy to be here and I'm so happy to be doing this as far as the layout of the show. Okay. Um, also quick shout out to, to the back judge podcast. They're, they're one of my, one of my biggest inspirations. We'll call it is the back judge podcast by Adam Kleb, Lee Murray, Tommy Murray, John Dolan. Um, they do a great job. So if you're, if you're looking for a pure like football and Detroit lions podcast, please 
do yourself a favor and go uh, go listen to the Back Judge podcast. You, it's on Apple iTunes. It's literally just called the Back Judge podcast. Awesome cover art. I don't know who did theirs, but it's phenomenal. Do yourself a favor and go go serenade your ears and, and listen to those kid, kids. Uh, you know, shoot the, shoot the talk and and talk about football. It's it's one of the best listens you'll ever have. Okay, the layout of the show. I get sidetracked a lot, so you're gonna have to bear with me through this process. You guys asked for this, okay? It's your own doing. Um, the layout of the show. All four Detroit sports, okay? That's what we're here to talk about. That's what we're going to talk about all the time. And yes, obviously if big sports news happens, like, you know, if we were doing this during the Harden trade or, or dur- I don't know, pick a moment. I don't, I don't know why that's the only one that popped in my head right now. I'm blanking. But if, if league-wide news happens in a sport, we will definitely talk about it. But we will talk about it in relation to Detroit sports, how it relates to the Pistons or how it relates to whatever, you know, pick a league. So just so you know, I'm not going to be blind to, we're not only going to suffocate ourselves and corner ourselves, pigeonhole ourselves into only talking about these teams because they're not good. And that might be a little difficult, but everything will be in relation to how they affect your teams of the beautiful city of Detroit. Uh, As far as scheduling goes, Monday, Wednesday, Friday is the current plan. Now, if a couple weeks in, we realize that that I love to talk, so I highly doubt this is going to happen, but there's too much to talk about and I can't cover everything, we can discuss a, a, a daily thing. You know what I mean? But odds are pretty good the only change that would happen is we would go to only Monday, Friday. For now, though, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, we'll see how it works, Okay. Monday, Wednesday, Friday. I wanted the first episode to be on a Friday so I can give people the weekend and then annoy you again on Monday. So that's why you're hearing me, my beautiful voice, on Friday, January 29th. Um, I think that's it for like housekeeping stuff. I, I really just wanted to say thank you over and over and over again. And I know that wouldn't make for a great podcast, but I, I'm just so happy that I have this opportunity to do this and that people actually... Like I said, it's pretty wild that the thing you're most passionate about, people actually kind of care what you have to say about it. That's an unreal moment. And and I will say this. I've, I've never tried to put my foot in the door of this industry because I want everyone to agree with me. And most of the time, I, I love to be wrong because I'm so... Uh, I don't want to say I'm a pessimist, but I'm a realist with these teams. You know what I mean? Uh, so so more times than not, you'll find that I, I would love to be wrong about some of my takes because that would benefit the team I root for. This isn't, I'm not a certain uh, MSU graduate on the Detroit airwaves of radio, okay? I think we all know who I'm talking about. That would rather be right and have the team suffer than vice versa because I'm actually a fan of these teams, unlike him. So... I promise, you know, before you you get all in like, oh, you're stupid, you're mad, I would love to be wrong most of the time, okay? If if being wrong results in a positive for the teams, I would love being wrong. So, I don't know if if I'm going to have a set like, hey, Tigers first, Pistons second, whatever, whatever. But for this episode, we're going to go Tigers, Pistons, Lions, Wings, okay? Now, again... I don't know what the thing's going to be. And originally I wanted to put the Lions last because I feel like Stafford's kind of the biggest topic in the city right now. Um, but I'm already seven minutes in and I can't change it now. So first up, the Detroit Baseball Tigers. That's not a thing like it is in football. Um, signings. Really only one of note recently, and that's Wilson Ramos. Um, 
I'm not a fan. And like, here's the thing. He's an offensive catcher. And I said this a lot, a lot of this in my video when I was wearing my drug rug. Okay. That was a fashion statement. Um, Wilson Ramos is a fine bat. He, and he will contribute positively offensively to this team more than maybe any catcher has in the last five years, if we're being honest, because our catching situation is a literal joke and has been, excuse me, for about five years. It's a joke. Um, that being said, sticking, stick, not getting on a side tangent here. Wilson Ramos will be one of the most consistent bats in the lineup. And that's great. Whoop-de-doo. Okay. Um, here's what I'll say. I said this a lot in my video, but I don't really care. Turnbull's trying to take a huge step forward. Okay. Spencer, I believe this is my hot take. Spencer Turnbull is going to be a top 20 starter in baseball this year. All of baseball. I believe that. I'm a huge believer in him. I think he's going to take a big step forward. Okay. Then you have Boyd, who's trying to get back on track, obviously. Then you have a lot of young pitchers. Mize is going to be up eventually this year. Scooby's probably going to start the season in the majors. You have, you have, and then Fulmer, Lord knows he's trying to get back on track. I would we're going to suck anyway. Okay. For catcher. And and I was a catcher growing up. I, I'm a huge framing nerd. Jose Molina's my goat. But like I need something behind the dish, man. He, not only is he not a good defender, he is one of the worst framers in baseball. And I cannot stress enough how vital I think framing is. One of my very few boomer takes is that I don't think robot umps should ever be a thing because of how much I value framing. I love framing. I think it's vital to the game. I think it's one of the most important things that you can teach a catcher to make them have a, a, a long career in baseball. Jose Molina is a great example, okay? Dude could barely hit his weight. And honestly, for most of his career, probably didn't hit his weight, but is the best framer of all time, okay? These are vital, like there's there's stats out there where you can see how many strikes you gained by having a particular person as your catcher and how many strikes you lost by having a particular pers player, that's the word, as your catcher. And using those stats... Wilson Ramos is one of the worst framers in baseball and has been most of his career. I I I understand that he's a bat, and I understand that that this team is not good offensively either. But I guess my point is he's not good enough offensively for me personally to be like, yeah, you know what? I'd, I and the lineup isn't good enough. This might sound weird, but I don't think we're good enough to choose offense over defense at the catcher position. Okay. To justify putting him in this lineup every day and having a garbage product defensively behind the plate. Well, especially when you have so many young arms in development uh, uh, situations, I guess we'll call them, coming up through the system at the pitching position. In my eyes, it's not worth it. Um, now, I also said in that little rant there that I don't think Mize would start the season in the majors. I don't. And I also want people to realize... I need some pillow support here. Um, I want people to realize that's not a bad thing. Casey Mize was, let's call a spade a spade. He wasn't that good last year. He had an over seven ERA. Okay. And I think he's going to be great. I think he's going to be fine. I'm not worried about it. I'm a little worried about it. I'm not worried about it at all. Okay. Here's my thing. He had an over seven ERA and every 
analyst east of the Mississippi and honestly west of the Mississippi as well has said that he is Tommy John waiting to happen and his mechanics are whack. Okay? He's got to figure it out. He's got to change something, man. Pitchers, we've built this entire rebuild. Let's go through, okay, all, all of our top pitching prospects really quick, okay? Mize, everyone says it's Tommy John waiting to happen unless he changes his mechanics soon. Scooble, already had Tommy John. Wentz, already had Tommy John. Fiedo, currently recovering from Tommy John. And Matt Manning, who got shut down at the end of last year due to throwing arm tightness. Oh, that's not concerning at all. Definitely not. Nope, we're fine. Nothing to worry about. Rebuild's in full effect. Definitely rebuild around starting pitching. Great idea. That's all sarcasm, by the way. We can't We can't afford it, man. We can't. And I'm not saying, you know, I'm not saying baby him. I'm saying change the mechanics, send him down to AAA, have him work on the mechanics so they become second nature. Then, when he when he's comfortable with the new mechanics and, and comes up and, and he... Talent-wise, he's definitely better than than a minor league pitcher. He's dominated every level of the minors. He threw a no-hitter in his double-A debut. You know what I mean? But anytime you change somebody's mechanics, it's going to take a little bit of an adjustment period to A, make that second nature, and B, pick up where you left off production-wise because you're throwing the ball differently, okay? So I really think... I really think that we should, you know, send him down to AAA, change some stuff, see see the work he does, then bring him up in the middle of the season when, A, inevitably one of our starters gets hurt because that happens every year, or B, Michael Fulmer is still horrid and the Tigers finally give up on him. Then we can call him up in, you know, May or June or whatever, and, and we'll be on our way, and it'll be fine, and everyone will forget about how we started the year in AAA. My thing is, it seems like everybody's, like I had somebody in my mentions, uh, I, I I projected the Tigers opening day starting rotation. I said Turnbull at ace, because again, I think he's going to be a top 20 pitcher in baseball, starting pitcher. Boyd at two, because he kind of has to be. Urena and Scooble somewhere at three or four. And then probably Fulmer and or another free agent that we have yet to sign at five. And... I had somebody in my mentions say if Mize isn't on the opening day starting rotation, we're in trouble. I just thought, I don't I don't know if I agree with that. Again, I've already said my piece on it. I don't need to repeat myself, but I think there's there's a belief out there that if he doesn't start the season on the opening day roster, that that means he sucks. This is not Jake Rogers, guys. Casey Mize is not Jake Rogers. Casey Mize can go to AAA, work on some stuff, come back up, and still be the best right-handed pitching prospect in baseball like he was once labeled, Okay. Jake Rogers is is the, it's not the same situation. You know what I mean? Jake Rogers is, is clearly not good because he got beat out by Grayson Griner and Eric Haas. Okay, so I don't want people to think just because I I think that he should start in the minors or that the organization thinks he should start in the minors that he is you know not going to reach his potential that he's not as good as we thought he was. This is not a we are who we thought they were moment. Okay, I promise. I promise. Um, everything's going to be fine. Scooble, on the other hand, I think could start in the majors. And I think he probably should. He really settled down pretty nicely last year. Um, I think it's, I really want him to work with Fetter. I think that's really beneficial to him too. His mechanics are a lot smoother and a lot better. Um, and I think we can start raising that pitch count up 
you know, last year he was still kind of on the, oh, you're a prospect that's had Tommy John before. We don't want you to go past the fourth inning type of thing. Um, I think he went five once. So, like, I think it's time we probably – I, I want to see him stretched out, basically is what I'm saying. And and I think he he's at a place where he could start in the major league level. And then, again, that doesn't mean I think Scooble is going to be better than Mize. That doesn't mean the vice versa either. That doesn't mean I think Scooble is going to be worse than Mize somehow if you interpret it that way for some weird reason. I'm just saying currently, we're not talking about ceiling. Currently, Scooble's more of a major league pitcher than Mize is. And two months into the season, that could change. And Mize could get the call up. I'm just saying I really think he should start the season in the minors. I also think we should sign a fifth starter. Because Derek Holland is should be never start a game ever again. He was horrible last year. Uh, Michael Fulmer, my opinion of Michael Fulmer has plummeted, sadly. I think Michael Fulmer is bad. And that's so sad. So sad. Because he seems like such a great human being. And, and you know, rookie of the year, he was supposed to be the guy that got us through the dark times and, and out of the rebuild and into comp- competitive baseball again. And uh, it doesn't look like that's the case because he couldn't go past the third inning. And when I say that, people are like, oh, he was on a pitch count, blah, blah, blah. Okay, that's great. He gave up like eight runs every start and would go three innings. So, like, sure, he might have been on a pitch count, but he was getting pulled through three if he wasn't because he was horrible. He was the worst objectively, not subjectively, objectively the worst starting pitcher in baseball this year, and it's not particularly close. Now, He's got another offseason to recover. I am praying that he gets his step back because, again, I love him to death. But, again, let's call a spade a spade. He was horrible. And personally, if, if I was told to make a decision right now or prediction right now, I don't think Michael Fulmer is going to be a starter in this rotation by, like, the end of June. Nonetheless, like the All-Star break. I don't see it. And again, it's sad. I'm not going to keep repeating how sad it is, but it's sad. Um, expectations for the year. Uh, we will. I've kind of already covered the starting pitching at, at, at length. Um, but when it comes to expectations for the team, as we get closer to the season, I'm sure I'll talk about it more and more. Uh, but for now, I'll just say we're not going to be good. This team is still so bad. Uh, I actually gotten, I ruffled some feathers of some people the other day because I said that um, in my opinion, you could argue that 20 to 22 people on this 25-man roster, or now 26-man roster, um, would not start on a playoff team. And then I doubled down even harder and said you could argue that maybe 20 of these people wouldn't even make a roster of a playoff team. And some people were on my side, and, and some people were very much not. And that's the art of this industry. But I found it. I thought it was a fascinating conversation. Some people just get so personally upset over everything. I'm like, dude, I, I just want to have a conversation. You're the one calling me names and stuff, you know. Jeez. People, you know, people get – all I'm going to say is this. You can go through and look at my Twitter. I'm not going to call anyone out on air. That's ridiculous. Everybody has their own opinion on stuff. Whatever. I'm a big boy. But I will just say, if you want a, a, a good time – you can go back and look at a debate I had with an individual about he was basically saying that that okay, I said for whatever reason Victor Reyes is so controversial in this town and I don't get it. 
Victor Reyes is like a fourth outfielder for a competitive team, and he's a starter for a bad team, which is what's happening. We are horrible, so he's going to be our starting right fielder, and when we're good again, he won't be because he's not that good. Okay? And so, there, you know, somebody picked up that comment and, and called me some names because I said it. And uh, he basically, he was showing me his advanced stats, which I'm very familiar with, and um, was trying to convince me that Victor Reyes' profile is, is uh, a, a disciplined batter away, a guy who draws more walks away, from being like a borderline like elite profile. Like he said that a couple of his advanced analytics were elite. No. Victor Reyes is not that good, man. He hits for a high batting average. It is 2021. Why why do we have people using batting average as, as a as a method of valuing an entire player's value to a team? He's not a very good defender. I think in if I played the same amount of games as, as him, I maybe could draw more walks than he has. He literally has drawn like like 20 or something career walks in his entire career. And he's been up in the majors for three seasons. Um, it's like really unreal, his, his walk numbers, how bad they are. Uh, he, he They're all singles as well. He doesn't get extra base hits even though he's fast. He doesn't get doubles because he his launch angle is like eight degrees. He just pumps ground balls into the ground and, and hopes they get through the infield. And sometimes they do, and that's why he batted 300 in a shortened season. And sometimes they don't, and that's why he hit 220 his first year on the team. That's not a that's not a, a, a starter on a on a competitive team, man. So anyway, I digress. Like I said, you can have your own opinion about whatever. Um, I I just think it's fascinating how controversial Victor Reyes has become in this town for being like an average player, below average, honestly, player. He he's been worth 0.9 career B war, R war I guess it is now, in his entire career of like 230 career games he's been worth less than one win borderline elite though borderline elite though um i think that's all i got for the tigers yeah they're, they're gonna be bad um the third overall pick once we get closer to draft time that'll i'm a huge college baseball and draft guy so we will more than likely not more than likely we will most certainly get into that um if the draft was today i'd want judd fabian okay i'll leave you with that on the Tigers. I'll leave you with that. That being said, that is subject to change and no one can get mad at me if I change my mind because uh, we still have a whole college and high school season to play until the draft. So that's by no means set in stone. Still have a whole season of baseball to play before the draft. So, so that could easily change. But if it was today, if it was on January 29th, 2021, I'm drafting Judd Fabian with the third overall pick. Okay. Outfielder from Florida. Great kid. Okay, the Stones. Next up, your Detroit Pistons, baby. Um, Jeremy Grant's an all-star. You heard me. Jeremy Grant's an all-star. It's and, it, and it's honestly, it's not like, oh, are you sure? Like, like he's an MFing all-star, bro. Also, I curse like a sailor. Uh, I'll say little sidebar. I curse like a sailor in real life. Anybody that knows me, I I, I curse my ass off. Okay. That being said, I'm going to try my best to limit it on these. That also being said, there's no way I'm going to come on here and promise you 
that this is going to be a clean show 100% of the time because that's a promise. That's stupid. I'm not going to promise things that aren't true, and that will inevitably not be true. But just know, I do make a conscious I'm thinking about it. I'm making a conscious effort, I'll say, to try and limit it. I really am. Uh, but sometimes you just get passionately, you passionately dislike something and you just got to let it out. You know what I mean? So, uh, Pistons. Jeremy Grant's an all-star. Break, breaking records for, for newly acquired Pistons. I love him, man. I, I, thank, I thank the Lord every day, every morning. I go, thank you for, for putting him on this team. And, and James Edwards III for The Athletic wrote a fantastic article about why he came here. Uh, majority black city, black head coach, black GM, and, and Grant really took that personally and, and really wanted one of the reasons, one of the biggest reasons he signed here, according to this article, um, was because of that. So that's an awesome article. James is also one of the best in the business. And him and uh, Nick just started a new podcast, um, Bun and Cardigan Show. So definitely give that a listen. But they, they are both two of the best in the business, and James is, is one of my favorite athletic writers um, as an athletic subscriber myself. Uh, so definitely go check that out if you have the ability to. Um, this past game, okay, now – I'm recording this on Thursday, and you are it is, it is blessing your eardrums on Friday. So, the Pistons game tonight, okay, I'm recording this at 5 p.m. The Pistons game against the Lakers tonight at 8 has not happened yet in my world. So, I can't give you a rundown on it, obviously. But, last night's game against the Cavaliers did happen. And it's honestly really noteworthy, I feel like, because uh, Blake didn't play. So a lot of people that have been not getting a lot of minutes uh, got minutes, which I think is awesome. Um, It's one of those situations where Blake, uh, sadly, is just not what he was anymore. He isn't what he was anymore. That's the wording. Um, So, you know... Leg thing, he's got to sit out. Seku got minutes, which is awesome. Seku got minutes. We fought, we've been asking for it. We finally got 15 minutes of Seku, which is, you know, he's been getting like four to five minutes a game for probably the last week or so at a minimum. Um, close to that for the whole year, honestly. He has not been playing a lot. So it was nice to see that, and he was fine. The thing with Seku, and I said this a little bit in my post game, okay? The thing with Seku is... If he can create space off the ball, he looks great. His cuts, that's obviously the biggest thing that every fan notices and loves about him is his ability to cut off the ball. He looks great while doing it. The shooting still needs to improve a little bit, but it's clearly taken a little bit of a step forward uh, since you know he came into the league. when He, he wasn't really much of a shooter then. Regardless, he, he's taken a lot of steps forward offensively, and if he can create space off the ball offensively, he does stuff with it. You know what I mean? He's nice with it. But defensively, there's so many question marks. So many question marks. Holy cow. On the zone, right? When we're doing when we're doing a 2-3, where do you put him? Is he one of your big guys you put down low in the paint? Do you put him as a perimeter defender because he's long and athletic? Great question. When you're running man, do, is he defending the four? He sure as hell ain't defending the five. Is he defending the four? Is he? Can he defend a stretch four and a power four? He kind of maybe goes to the three. Are threes too athletic for him? Do threes burn him? 
All of these are kind of true right now, if you, if you haven't noticed. There is so many question marks about him defensively. And I think that that's one of the biggest reasons he hasn't played because, uh, or hasn't played the amount of minutes that, that fans want him to. Because there is still so many question marks surrounding where to plug him on defense. And all, like I said, offensively, that has grown and it looks like it will continue to grow. And, and with all this, defense included, he is 20 years old. 20. He cannot go to a bar and buy a drink yet. I have almost three years on this kid, and he's in the NBA. Okay? Sekou Dumboya will be fine. And and I actually was listening. This is from the, the Bun and Cardigan show that I mentioned with, with Nick and uh, James Edward III. Um, by the time Blake, if Blake opts into his deal this offseason, right? By the end of Blake's deal, he will be like entering his age 22 season. Like he'll be 21 years old still. Like he's got time, man. He's got time. And he's going to be fine. And I think his ceiling is so high. I don't want us to trade him at the deadline. Okay? I think the ceiling is so high for him and 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 he has time. Okay? I preach patience with, with a lot of these teams' prospects because we're just that bad right now. But especially with him, man. He is so, so, so young. Um, when it comes to Sadiq, inconsistent minutes. It's really hard to say. Um, Wayne stays in Fuego. Wayne Ellington. So let's talk about trades, okay? That's the biggest thing with the Pistons the remainder of the season. The two biggest pieces, well, three. We have three kind of tradable pieces. Blake Griffin, Wayne Ellington, and Derrick Rose, okay? Those are the three tradable pieces. So let's talk about them in order, okay? Let's let's break these down. Blake Griffin, we'll go Blake first because I think it's probably the shortest. I don't think Blake Griffin's getting moved. Um, his contract's huge, and it's not like his contract's huge and he's not quite playing up to the value of the contract, but like you can see, he's still got some left. Like, he's been pretty horrible. And, and you know, a lot of people are like mad at that. They're like, oh, Blake sucks now, get him out of here, whatever. Like, Blake put together probably the best single season by an individual player since maybe Grant Hill when he first came over here, his first full season here. The year we got swept by Milwaukee in the first round. Like, Blake uh, Blake did a lot for this city and loved this city. And I know it was a short stint. We kind of got him on the back nine anyway. And he's, you know, obviously Blake is one of the most injury-prone players out there. But but he did he did a lot, and he, he was worth it at the time. And whether you agree with the direction of the trade or not, the value-wise, Blake gave us great value. And, and, and I don't understand why we have to be so mad at him. We don't. It's fine. People get old, and he already had injury problems, but when he was in his prime, nonetheless, now, as an old man, it's fine. Just let him dwindle away, okay? Now, at the end of this season, he has an opt-out clause. Some people are like, oh, he might opt out. Why on earth would he opt out? He is not getting anywhere close to the money. That that last year on his deal is worth anywhere else. There is absolutely a zero, zero percent chance that he is opting out of that deal. Unless he values years more and, and he can get a, a way less AAV, but, but uh, you know, I don't know. Why would anyone pay him like 
over four years. Like, it's not happening, man. I don't see a universe where he opts out. But it's only a one-year thing. We weren't going to be good next year anyway. It's fine. Um, so, Blake, I don't think it's moved for that reason. Not really valuable, way too much money, and probably going to opt in. Not happening. Uh, the, o- the only way I could see it happening is if we put got like a Drummond-type deal together where we just got nothing in return. And it was just a pure salary dump with no value. Like Justin Upton with the Tigers, same type of thing. That's the only scenario I could see, and I don't see anyone doing that. Okay? Next, we'll go to... Who do you want to go? Let's go Wayne Ellington. That's an interesting one. I'll save D-Rose for last. I think that's probably the most intriguing. Wayne Ellington, for a while now, has been... uh, uh, Look, one thing that all contending teams need is shooting. That's how the games play today. Anybody who's trying to make a playoff push or a deep push to anything always tries and acquires cheap shooters. That's how the games play today. Okay? Wayne Ellington has been that guy for like four years in a row now. Like a hey, you can probably get this dude for a second rounder at the deadline. Maybe he'll help you push a little that's what he was to us. Hell. That's literally what he was to us. So I, I don't know. He's been incredibly good. So, like, we, we might be able to finesse. If we get a second out of him, that's a major win. And, and it's, you know, it's not like a long-term deal or anything. So, I don't think a buyout is really in the question. You know what I mean? I don't really think there's any point in that. You might as well just hang on to him at that point. Unless he's like, hey, I don't want to play here. I want to play for a good team. Buy me out. That might happen. But, like, uh, yeah, it, Again, if we get a second out of him, that's a major win. It's a major win. So, whatever happens with him happens. We'll definitely be shopping him. There's literally no value in keeping him. Um, So, we'll definitely be trying to move him. It's just a matter of whether anyone's willing to give up a second-round pick for him. Now, Derek Rose. This is the controversial one, okay? This is the one that everybody's at everybody's throats about and people get mad and blah, blah, blah. Okay. Look, okay, Derek Rose, I don't want to piss people off. Some people seem to be under the belief that you could get a lottery pick for Derek Rose, and I am here to tell you that is absolute blasphemy. You are not getting anywhere close to a lottery first-round pick for Derek Rose. Not happening. Okay, honestly... I'm not willing to go this far yet. I'll wait till closer to the deadline and we can see kind of how the market shapes out. I would be shocked if you could even get like a really late first round pick that a, that a championship contending team doesn't even give a damn about. Honestly. I think you're getting a second round pick, maybe if you're super lucky, two second round picks for Derrick Rose. Okay. I don't see it. I don't see how... It's not like he's been unreal. Like, he's been he's been a solid bench piece. You know what I mean? Like, his minutes obviously have been jacked up since Killian uh, got hurt. But this is, this is a, a type of player that goes to a contending team and gives you, like, what? 15 minutes, 20 minutes, 
off the bench. Like all, you know what I mean? Like that's I no one no one is giving you a lottery pick for this man. No one's giving you I, I'm really close to just saying no one's giving you a first round pick for him. I'm really close. I I I I tend to lean that direction, but markets are weird. We'll get to that with Stafford and and I want to see how it plays out, okay? Um the Pistons. I think that's about it for the Stones. The the tank is on. This draft class is great. As the season goes on, I'm sure we'll talk about more in depth the the draft class and who we could be looking at and how we're going to get screwed in the lottery for the, you know, how many years have we been a team? 57 years in a row. That was a total guess. Don't make fun of me for that being wrong. Um So yeah, I you know, that'll be a fun thing to to see develop and and as games are played, we can talk about you know individual performances and stuff. But for now, general, just where my head is at with the Pistons, that's where we're at. Okay. Uh, I am going to call an audible. Okay. I really want to save the Stafford thing for last. So we're going to go with the Detroit Red Wings. Okay. The winged wheels on the on the red sweaters. Um, it was a fun little start to the season, man. And even now, we're losing. Look. I tell people to put stuff in perspective all the time, okay? The Red Wings can improve dramatically, dramatically, and still be the worst team in hockey because that's how bad we were last year. You understand? Like, is that I, – I, I try to articulate that to people all the time. We had, like, 33 points. Is that right? 34 points, 37 points when the season got stopped. The next closest team, the second worst team in hockey, had almost double – our point total, double. We, and I tell people this with the Tigers too, man. We can improve dramatically. We can improve by 10 wins. And that's awesome. And still be the worst team in the sport. Because that's just how bad we were last year. I think that's hard for some people to grasp. Like, like everyone's of the belief that, oh, like we improved a ton, so we're going to be fighting for a playoff spot or whatever. No, hell no. We are still likely the worst team in hockey. This defense is a crime uh, against defenses. Like, I think on the roster, they should literally be like, like here's our here's our offensive lines, here's our wingers, our centers, and, and our other wingers, and then here's like the other guys. Like, I really don't even know if we can legally call them defensemen at this point. It's bad, bro. Especially the, the bottom two lines defensively are so bad oh they're so bad i talked to my buddy about this the other day and and he brought up some good points he kind of calmed me down a little bit when i was in the heat of like this is one of the worst defenses i've ever seen in my life he was like first off it's not last year's team which he's absolutely right and second off uh there are some pieces that that are part of the long-term plan like heronic obviously is he's so young still and is probably in the long-term plans he might not be a first-line defenseman like when we're competitive again, but if all goes to plan, I think he's probably a second line D man for this team when we're competitive again. Okay, and then obviously we've seen all the highlights about Mo. Now, the interesting thing about Mo is that I kid you not, right before I started recording this, I got a notification. Uh, actually, the same friend. Um, shout out to uh, to to Kevin, um, my uh, my buddy. He DM'd me. A video of Mo crashing into the boards and screaming in pain. 
I mean, I'm horrified. Uh, I Like, I, I wish I could give you an update. And hopefully by the time you're listening to this, someone has come out and been like, hey, just twisted his ankle or something. He's fine. He'll be back out on the ice tomorrow. Um, but for now, I'm in, in, I'm horrified. Pure, utter, just, I can't even think of an adjective. I'm just terrified. Okay. I'm really scared because it looked bad and he screamed in pain and that, uh, okay. We won't even talk about it. Nine more talking about the only other noteworthy thing for the wings so far. Well, there's two. One, uh, Mantha needs to wake up. That's apparent. And, 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 um, the guys on lockdown Red Wings, who I've also become closer with over the last couple of weeks, um, great podcast and great human beings, by the way. Um, they kind of brought up the fact that, like, uh, I think it was Ethan brought up the fact that, like, you know what, Mantha's kind of always done this. Like, not necessarily been, like, a, a usually he starts out hot and then kind of cools down and then gets hot again at the end of the year. And this year, a shortened season, maybe he's just, like, skipping the first hot streak. But, like, he's always kind of been a really streaky guy where he'll go on a stretch of a couple of weeks where he's a point-of-game player. Where I so, on their podcast, as actually infamously predicted that he would be a point-of-game player this year, which looks like just making me look like a dumbass. Um, but, you know, he always goes on these little stretches. He'll go on a stretch where he he is he's unreal for, you know, he's in fuego for a couple of weeks, and then he'll go, you know, he'll lull. And he kind of looks like he's just gliding out there. And then, you know, for those who are, you know, hockey fans and know that kind of terminology – gliding is is that's like offensive that's like you're it's like the equivalent of saying you're just like going through the motions basically um it's not good if if anyone says wow he's gliding around out there that is an insult okay that is that is not that is not very good uh that is not a nice thing to say to a hockey player um so so that but that's what he looked like man he, he literally looked like he was just floating around out there the puck came to him, sure. I mean, even even his one goal, right? Like, even his one goal this year, like, it was off a rebound that just happened to fall on his lap, and he still almost blew it. He like he looked like he was asleep, and then it just landed on his stick with a wide-open net, and he was like, oh, shoot, and flung it in there. I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know if I'll say I'm worried because the team is still so bad. It's really hard to be like, hey, man, why aren't you doing way better when you're on the worst team in hockey? Like, that is really hard. But at the same time, uh, like, I don't know. It's not affecting Bobby Ryan, who's like a point of game player, and for a while there was a goal of game player. I don't know, man. Uh, I just think I, especially with how much he's supposed to be like in the future plans for this team, and 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 how people are saying, oh, you know, I'm not saying the fan base is completely divided yet. I think for the most part, people still think that he's probably a long term plan for this team. But there's some people like he's still young enough, and, and still, uh, you know a high enough ceiling at this current moment or believed to be high enough ceiling where you could probably flip him for, for somebody. And I don't know if we're really in a position in this rebuild to flip people and stuff, you know, that gets a little weird, but I don't know, man. It's an interesting conversation that I'm sure we will be having a, a plenty of. The only other person that I want to talk about with the Red Wings is Brome. Brome, baby. Uh, there's no way I don't own an 86 sweater by my birthday's in the middle of April. There's no way I don't own a Brome sweater by my birthday. Zero percent chance. Zero. I love him. 
he 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 might be my favorite wing right now. He might be. Smith's my second favorite wing. Poor kid is is getting sent to the taxi squad and activated for the taxi squad every twelve hours because of all the COVID protocol and, and not knowing who's playing every night. Um, I love Brome, man. The dude's electric. Like, like he 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 hasn't put one in the back of the net yet. Which I'm oh man, my if you follow me on Twitter, man, I, I apologize in advance for the day that he puts one in the back of the net because I'm going to be so obnoxious. So obnoxious. Um, but I can't wait. I cannot wait. Um, and he's electric, man. He, he, he's, he's, how do you, he's just like a, the energizer bunny. He goes out there and he's just, he's just fun to watch. He, he's going a hundred miles an hour. Um, he, he's fun, man. He's really fun. And I, I think if, uh, you know, he came over from overseas, obviously if he, can can establish some get some of his like his like you know stat sheets to look a little nicer. Um, he could be a guy that could be like a a fourth line or even a third line like solid third line guy for this team in the future when we're competitive again. He he might he might play himself into uh, sticking around here for a little bit. I guess is what I'm saying. I'm super excited about him. Super excited about the Wings' future and. Uh, not really excited about this year. But they're a lot more fun to watch. At a bare minimum, they're way more fun to watch now than they ever were last year. You know, Larkin has a C. Bobby Ryan's incredible. Brome. Uh, they're, they're a fun team. So, uh, well, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to talk about Blashill this episode. I'm sure we'll get on him plenty. I think he should be fired. But uh, at a bare minimum... This team is a lot more fun to watch than last year's team, and, and I'll take that for not having wings hockey for like nine months. I will glad or ten months. I will gladly take that. Okay, now let's get to it. Uh, for those of you who fast forwarded through the first three segments just to listen to this part, welcome to the show. Um, this is the Bentley Show, and and I'm Scott Bentley. So so thanks for joining. Um, it, this is it, man. The Detroit Football Lions have officially agreed to part ways with Matthew Stafford. Um, I have a lot. I, I, I've had a lot going through my mind about this for a while now. Um, for starters, devastating. And look, it, it devastating from, from a personal level. Not devastating from the your this is a stupid Lions move. Not devastating from a what are they thinking. Not devastating from from a man like SOL type of thing. They're really stupid. But I, I really thought for a while there I was convinced he was going to give us one more year with the with the whole new system and everything. And maybe that was naive of me, but that I I I, I kind of I truly thought that. I thought he'd give he give the new regime one chance. Uh, but so so long nine man, uh, best best quarterback in the history of the franchise. Obviously, it's not really close. Um, you know, the last time Matt Stafford wasn't the quarterback, I I am I am twenty two going on twenty three, and the last time Matt Stafford wasn't the quarterback of the Lions, I was in elementary school. Like that's wild, man. That's wild. Um. 
where he'll end up. I feel like we'll we'll talk about that down the road. I don't want to get too much into into other teams for this one, being that it's the first episode. I kind of want to talk about the how this all pertains to the Lions right now. Um, so let's talk about it. Uh, he, you know, a lot of people. This is this has easily been my most controversial take. Okay, and I'm slowly starting to think I might be wrong. Slowly, but but I am I am. Uh, slowly, slowly getting to, to the rest of the group here. Okay. I'm just at the back of the line and, and I'm stubborn as all hell. So, so I might never get there until the trades actually completed. Um, but for, for months now, months, you can go look at my Twitter or you can go look at the old IG lives that I do for that account. I told you about 2020, 2021 world series champs. That's it. Um, on Instagram, people ask me all the time, man, what about a mat trade? What about, what about a, what about a nine trade? You know what I mean? Um, and, and my, my by far, my most controversial take through all of it has been, you're going to be disappointed and not that you're going to be disappointed in, in the trade. Well, that's exactly what I'm saying. Not that you're going to be disappointed because you think that we should keep him, I'll say. I'll word it that way. Or not that you're going to be disappointed because we're going to suck next year because we were going to suck anyway. Um, this defense is is so beyond repair that Tom Brady could be our quarterback. We, we weren't, you know, we weren't winning nine games. Um, you're going to be disappointed because the return is going to be bad. In In... How do I word it? The return is not going to be what you expect. We are not going to get two firsts and a second for Matt Stafford. And and obviously most I think most people kind of agree that's not going to be that egregious. I've had a couple of people in my mentions and in my DMs tell me that we're getting like three first rounders for him, which look, don't let me kill your optimism, but like also don't come crying to me when that doesn't happen. Um But here's been my take, okay? And again, I, I've I've Clearly, I'm building this up, but a lot of people have gotten really mad at me for saying this. So, so if you're really mad and want to write me a nasty DM or, or at me on Twitter, or or if I know you and you're a friend of mine, if you want to call me and text me and call me a dumbass, you are not the first and you will not be the last, okay? I really don't think we're going to get anything. I just think we're going to be super disappointed. I don't think we're getting a first-round pick for him. I would say I, for a while, and again, I'm starting to come around because there's been so many reports about teams being interested that I'm starting to think we might get a second. But if you asked me in December, I literally would have told you that we were getting like a fourth round pick for Stafford. And again, it's a mutual thing to part ways. If you're parting ways and that's the direction you want to head and you want to blow it up, we have a completely new front office, a completely new coaching staff, pretty much top to bottom. Like, I mean, we are literally starting from zero and building this thing back up again. So, like, if that's the direction you wanted to head, go for it. I All, all three of my other teams are in the middle of rebuilds. You think I can't handle a freaking rebuild? Rebuild's my middle effing name at this point bro okay but and again i keep repeating myself i'm starting to come around my argument has been this whole time the market determines the return 
not the player. Okay? The market determines the return, not the player. Matt Stafford, talent-wise, should easily get you a first and probably then some. This is a top 10 quarterback in football that has two years of control left, maybe even three. I think two years of control left on his deal. And at the time, when people were like, oh, why is he the most richest quarterback in NFL history? It's because the cab goes up every year. And and now he's not even close. He's not even in the top five most paid quarterbacks. Okay, So reasonably paid, top 10 quarterback in football that uh, you have two years of control for. That should easily get you a first and then some, probably, if we're being completely honest. Okay? Now, the market determines the return, not the player. So, in December, when this take originated in my in my beautiful brain, um, I was under the... How do I word this? Uh, my evaluation of the market was that three-ish teams would want to trade for Matthew Stafford. When when the when the Lions heading into Week 17, okay, when they're like, oh, this might be Matt's last game as a Lion. Okay, let's think about this. Um, I really didn't think that there was a market that was that was big enough to drive up the price to be a first-round pick. I didn't. And honestly, I still really don't. Like I said, I, I, I'm slowly coming around. I think, I think if you ask me right now what I think we could get, it would be, uh, it would be higher than what I said when, when I first spewed this, what most of you probably think right now is an egregious take. Um, when I first created this thought, uh, I, I mean, I legitimately, there, there's video evidence of me saying a fourth round pick, Okay. Because I thought that there was like three teams maybe in the mix. The Colts definitely were going to be there. Um, the Niners were more than likely going to be there, but also like they still have Jimmy G if they want it. So like I don't think they're going to pay a, a, a you know a huge amount for him. Um, and and so yeah, there you know there's a few teams. There's a few teams that absolutely could have, could have tried to get something from him. Uh, now recently. It, there, first off, when the Lions came out and said we're not taking anything less than a first, you can say that all you want, but you already agreed to mutually part ways. Like you can say, hey, we're we're not accepting anything that is less than a first. Okay, well then, like that's that's ridiculous to say because you already agreed to mutually part ways. He's not playing for the team next year, even if you don't get offered a first. So I guess. That, that comment doesn't make any sense whatsoever at all. But I appreciate them for trying to get the most they possibly can out of them, obviously. Um, so I, I that comment came out, and I was like, okay, well, I think that's ridiculous, but sure. Um, then Vegas odds kind of started talking about, like, hey, where could he end up? Where could he end up? Um and that list was was a lot longer than I expected it to be of like reasonable value like right like obviously every team's on there but like the uh, it, it was surprising to me how how deep that team how deep that list ran um, so at the time of recording the uh, bookie that I use and legal gambling in Michigan baby 
so I don't have to say if I was a betting man or any crap like that anymore. Um, but, you know, for legal reasons, I this is my first time betting. Um, so the Niners are the favorites at plus 325. Now, plus 325 is, you know, you're still – that's that's not a long shot, but but that's still you know not super likely, and those are the favorites. But when the second best favorite is plus four fifty, you realize how how likely three twenty five sounds. Okay, so the 49ers are plus three twenty five. The Broncos are plus four fifty. The Broncos are someone I had not considered back when again when this take first originated in my brain. The Broncos were not someone I had on my radar, but now thinking about it, they obviously their quarterback situation has been pretty rough. And they have so many weapons on offense and always put together a competent defense, especially when they have a good enough offense to field and their defense isn't on the field 40 minutes a game. Okay, So I, I love that fit. I do. And that's someone I hadn't considered, and I'll fully admit when I'm wrong, that's someone I hadn't considered absolutely makes sense. The Colts plus 450. If you ask me, they're the favorite. Okay, um, Patriots plus 500. That has always made sense, uh, especially if they're not bringing Cam back. That's always made sense and the Patriots because they don't pay anyone who's worth anything they end up trading that's their system they have more than enough money to do what they wanted to okay the Lions are plus 550 that's whatever uh the Washington football team is plus 650 this is where I you start getting me into the category of none of these people are pushing up the market anymore the Washington football team is not offering you a first-round pick and change for Matthew Stafford. That's not happening. They're not in a position to do that. Um, it's not happening. I don't care that they made the playoffs this year and that division sucks, and, and you might think they're a quarterback away from winning. That's great. The Washington football team is not going to be the reason that this market reaches first-round status. Okay. Now, even if you disagree with me on that, even if you're, you're thinking in your head, what is this effing idiot talking about? Why did I ever click on this podcast? The next team is the Panthers. And there is no way you are convincing me that the Panthers, who are plus 900, by the way, are driving this market into first-round pick territory. They're tapping out in, the, in second round and a seventh round. Once that becomes the market value for him, they're tapping out. There is no way you're ever convincing me that that's a that that's a that's a team that's going to raise this value into the, to a first round territory. Then you have the Raiders at plus a thousand. Also, no way. The Rams at plus eleven hundred. Also, no way. And the Texans at plus twelve hundred. That's I have a hard time believing that that's even real. Honestly, um, that's like just giving Vegas money is betting on that. So. Like they're gonna trade Deshaun and go into a full rebuild. They're not gonna get a mid thirties quarterback. That's absurd. So I will fully admit the Broncos were a team I hadn't considered, and that the push for him is more adamant than I thought. Now whether that's the Lions front office trying to beef this thing up and whatever doesn't matter. I was wrong in that sense. Okay, so you're i'm slowly i'm like i said i'm slowly joining the class of like hey maybe we can get a little bit more than i originally thought that being said we are i still have a really hard time believing we're getting a first round pick for him and people get so mad at me so mad at me when i say that 
But again, market determines return, not value. And yes, I saw the report that said like whatever, like a third of the NFL had called about Stafford. That's great, man. Like eight teams called about J.D. Martinez back in 2017 too. We traded him for a bag of potato chips. Okay, calling does not in, in does not mean anything. I I could call the Lions front office if I wanted to right now and be like, hey man, what do you think? Uh, you know the the backyard football league of of Metro Detroit could get for Stafford. Doesn't mean anything. Calling is irrelevant to me. I don't. That's nothing. That's a nothing comment. And again, I think it's just something that the front office is going to try to use their advantage to drive the price up, which they should. Good for them. And again, I'll reiterate. I stress this. Before you call me an idiot and say I don't know what I'm talking about, that might be true. But I would love to be wrong. I would love to be wrong. I. I am not one of those people, like I said earlier, I am really not one of those people that would rather be right and have my team suck and suffer than, than be wrong and, and have it benefit my, my teams that I root for. I would love nothing more than to be completely whatever adjective wrong, okay? I would love to be. But I am, I am a, uh, I believe I'm a realist. Most people laugh at me when I say that and say I am a pessimist. Which, given the state of these four teams, I think I have a right to be that. Okay? I, I don't see it. And like if you do, because here's the thing. The people on this list that need a quarterback have high first round picks. Except maybe the Colts. Well, you can have a conversation about the Colts first rounder, maybe if we're lucky, okay? But most of these people are are teams that, like Washington, A, they, they made the playoffs too, but they really need their first round pick because they still need quite a bit of help offensively. Their defense is nasty. That's, that's, a, that's a bad boy's defense, okay? But they, they, I, I don't think they're in a position to be trading first round picks, okay? Um... The Broncos, again, I, I don't know, man. I, again, before before you call me an idiot, I would love to be wrong about this, and I love having conversations about people. Now, when people get red in the face, like calling me horrible names, mad over Victor Reyes being a fourth outfielder or not, that's a little ridiculous to me. But I love like. Obviously, I'm doing this. That you know, having a conversation with people about sports is what I want to do for a living. I would love nothing more than for you to hop in my DMs or, or you know, hop in my mentions, and we can have a conversation about it like normal people. Um, I just, I would love to be wrong, but I just don't see it, man. I and maybe maybe that's just me. You know, there's not really a good example of a of a. a prolific high-end QB getting traded, really. The NFL doesn't really trade quarterbacks, doesn't really trade really at all compared to the other four leagues, other three leagues. Um, but it, it's it's just, I don't see it, man. I really don't. I don't think, and if we do, like I said, if we do get a first-round pick, it's going to be a first-round pick that's in like the 20s, which is possible. The Colts have that luxury. They made the playoffs, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know, man. 
I don't know. Like I said, I'd love to be wrong. That being said, the coaching staff, phenomenal. I love everything about the coaching staff. Everything about it. Everything about it. I am so about it, man. I love the GM hire so far. And and look, this is all just me basing off of off of introductory press conferences. So, you know, let's not get too carried away here. But I think it's ridiculous to say that any of these are bad hires right now at the same in the same breath. We haven't seen that they haven't done anything yet. If you only just hired former coaches and former GMs, you, you would just recycle the same people all the time, which happens enough in this sport. So I'm fine with taking inexperienced people, but it's impossible to say, it's impossible to say right now in this very moment on January 29, 2021, it's impossible to say on whether these are good or bad hires. All of them, because they're pretty much all first time at their job, except for maybe the OC. Uh, and I will say, I love Glenn. That might be my favorite hire of all of it. In all, in all honesty, my favorite hire might be the defensive coordinator hire. I think he's one of the best at developing uh, like defensive backs in the entire NFL. And Lord knows Jeff Okuda needs it. I love it. I love it. Dwayne Wade, I love it. Um, anything else with the Lions? I don't think right now. Uh, like I said, I'm sure as the Watson sweepstakes heat up and obviously as the Stafford situation develops, that'll probably be the topic of conversation most of the offseason until draft until draft season. Um, but yeah, I think that's probably it for the Lions, which means that's probably it for episode one. What a crazy, what a crazy thing. I'm recording a podcast. Hello. That's wild, man. That's wild. Thank you so much for listening. Like I said, this is something I've I, I I've dreamed about for a while, and, and like I said, man, this is the last the last couple of weeks and a couple of days, especially hearing so many people reach out to me and, and tell me that that they want to listen to me talk for an hour is ridiculous to me. Like I'm I'm nobody. I'm just me. You know what I mean? Like that's. That's crazy, man. It's 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 awesome and it's it's pretty surreal, honestly. So so thank you so much for all those who reached out. Thank you for listening. Um, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts at whatever it's called, Apple iTunes, whatever Apple Podcasts, I think that's what it's called. Rate five stars, leave a review. Tell me how much of an idiot I am, but please rate five stars in the process. Um, I think that's all I got. The intro and outro music is done by a good friend of mine as well, Colin O'Shaughnessy. Hennessy. Great human being. He made this track for me, this beat for me, like, years ago. Like, literally, like, two or three years ago. And uh, so I think it's awesome that now I have an excuse to just, like, broadcast his, his beats to the world. I think that's sweet. So that's who that's by. He has a SoundCloud and everything. You can look him up. Um, I think that's all I got. Shout out Nate Temple. Shout out the Back Judge Podcast. Shout out the Cardigan and Bun Podcast. Shout out Colin O'Shaw Hennessy. Um, shout out Kevin Shooty. Who else did I mention on here? I think that's probably it. That's all I got. I will see you Monday. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. Go Detroit Sports, baby. <laughs>